Facebook friends. It's wonderful to be with you this afternoon on a beautiful day in Tyler, Texas in the end of January. It is gorgeous outside, nice sunshiny day, very mild temperatures. Some would consider it warm. Certainly warm for January, but since we're in East Texas, not so much. Not so much. It is just about right. I love the warm weather. I'm a fair weather kind of guy, and that is just who I am, and that's a-okay with me. I uh, hope that we have several joining us today. I believe we likely will. And uh, we're going to be in Colossians 2 today, but I want us to look at a lot of different um, kind of background and some things that kind of build up. Um, I wonder if, uh, if you have thought about, I'm sure you have, uh, the things that people decide to live for and the, the things specifically that people decide to build their lives on. Uh, Colossians 2 is a great masterpiece that speaks against building your life on something less than Jesus Christ, although a lot of people do that. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this week. I'm going to share some things today and also on Thursday uh, that relate to this uh, statement and these passages in Colossians chapter 2, the first 10 verses. So I'm glad that you're joining me along the journey, and I appreciate Larry and Lynn Murphy, my dear friends, that are so faithful and attending via Facebook and online. Uh, we have a lot of our folks that are still worshiping online, and I get that. Uh, as you likely know, I have been in COVID jail for the last 10 days after being exposed to someone with the virus, but thank the Lord, and through your prayers and His power and His grace and mercy, uh, I never had any symptoms, never had any indication that I was uh, positive. I got tested on Friday, and the test results came back on Sunday, and they said, yep, you're in the clear. So that was, uh, that was a great, great blessing, and I know that that's not the case with everyone. And so my prayer and my heart is uh, towards you today, and hopefully that you will be able to recover well and recover soon. Uh, our nation has certainly, like the rest of the world, been gripped by this tragedy, and I'm hopeful and prayerful that in the uh, weeks and months ahead that we'll see this taken more under control. Uh, so again, nice to see my cousin Gail here. I know there will be some others that will join us along the way, um, but I, um, I doubt that any of us want to be known as someone who's settled. Uh, we see that in uh, movies on TV, uh, songs, uh, and there's a lot of pop culture that uh, says, you know, you just, you shouldn't have to settle in life. And I'm one of those that kind of tends to agree with that. Uh, I like this quote from Janis Joplin, of all people, uh, who was from Port Arthur, as my Southeast Texas roots tell me how that's pronounced, Port Arthur, Texas. Uh, she died of a heroin overdose at age 27 in 1970, but she said this, Texas is okay if you want to settle down and do your own thing quietly, but it's not for outrageous people, and I was always outrageous. <laughs> well, um, Janis Joplin, the late great singer, incredible talent, tragic life, um, she may have thought that uh, living your life quietly in Texas is not her style, and that's fine with me. But it is mine. I like that. I like that. I can be outrageous uh, at times, as those of you who have known me through my life of ministry know that that is certainly true. But I don't mind being, uh, being nice and calm, and 
I don't consider that settling. I don't consider that settling at all. But there is a great song uh, written uh, and sung by another great uh, musical act uh, in the country sphere this time, Sugarland, the great Jennifer Nettles and Christian Bush uh, had an album several years ago, and they had this song entitled Settling. Uh, she sang, I ain't settling for just getting by. I've had enough so-so for the rest of my life. Tired of shooting too low, so raise the bar high. Just enough ain't enough this time. I ain't settling for anything less than everything. Well, Jennifer, good luck with that. I don't think you're ever going to be able to get everything, and I'm not sure that even if you did, that it would bring the fulfillment and happiness and joy in your life that you would have hoped it would. And I think that she probably recognizes that, but of course, we call it Poetic License, a great song, a great group, love them. Uh, but it's just one of those things that, um, you know, it's, um, you can take that to an extreme. And so I think that sometimes uh, settling is a bad thing. And sometimes when you recognize the limitations and you uh, have appropriate and realistic expectations, that it's, uh, it's a good thing as well. And so I think that that is a, that is a, a wonderful thing. And uh, because of, uh, I'm able to have the door open today, uh, this is Boo, so say hello, Boo. What, you think the only foundation is Jesus Christ? I believe that's what she said. Um, but she's going to help me teach, apparently, for a few minutes before she gets bored and decides that she's settling by hanging out with us. Uh, I don't think so, and I'm sure you don't either. Um, Lenny and Joe Allard probably love seeing this cat and love uh, getting to uh, have a glimpse into Bill's other life. This is the real life, actually, for Bill. Um, but <clears throat> sometimes you, uh, you know, we see in our culture, in our society, they say, hey, you shouldn't have to settle. And again, I, I agree, but I don't think living the life that God calls you to live is necessarily settling. I don't think it's settling at all. I think some people may think of it that way because somebody else lives a greater and better life. But again, we go back to that call of what is the foundation that we live by. Uh, that, that's the question. Uh, that's the question. Uh, Matthew West, a great uh, contemporary Christian songwriter and singer, uh, wrote this song. Uh, from uh, the motions. He said, I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me. I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I had given everything instead of going through the motions? Well, now we're getting kind of down to it, and we're starting to see, oh, this is what God is talking about. This is what God uh, wants us to know. And I agree with him. I think that Christians, um, it's a sad, sad thing that Christians would just go through the motions. That is just not a good thing. So Boo, uh, Joe and Mr. Joe and Miss Lenny said hello, and you just said hello to them, and I know that she'll probably be here for a few minutes and then she'll be out. But we're going to go and talk about some history. Now, uh, John Ortberg, in his, lot, in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, says this, Again and again, as we pursue spiritual life, we must do battle with hurry. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied 
that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Well, I think that that kind of hits the nail on the head. Uh, just skimming our lives, just going through the motions, um, as Matthew West said, just hurrying up and getting through. Well, uh, that saying, take time to smell the roses, I think there's something to that. I'm one of those guys, very task-oriented. I like to get a job and get a task and have a schedule and have a routine and have a structure and get her done. Um, being in COVID jail for the last 10 days, well, you have to do some adjusting. And, and so that's all right. But you don't adjust and adapt the important things. Um, and I think that's what I want us to think about this week and to think about it from the perspective of Colossians 2, verses 1 and 10. Uh, the daily and now minute-by-minute minute news stories tell us that these are troubled times uh, for many. Could it be that one of the reasons the news is filled with such uh, tragedy and conflict is because we as a people have settled for the self-centered lives of spiritual mediocrity and even spiritual emptiness? I think there's a lot of folks that have settled in their spiritual life. And they have settled for something as the foundation of their lives that is far less than the true foundation, the one foundation, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, today's headlines are only the latest reminder that in spite of all of our scientific and technological advancements, and we've had a lot, um, as a society, we tend to settle for, quote, hollow and deceptive philosophies, end quote, rather than look to the firm foundation that is full and solid, the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Where did you get that hollow and deceptive philosophies, Bill? Well, that's right out of Colossians 2. Chapter 2, verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. So I think what we're asking today and what I want us to just look at in the remainder of our time and then read from Colossians 2 and then come back to Colossians 2 especially uh, on Thursday uh, is uh, to kind of take a look at the building blocks that we've established in our lives. What exactly are we building our lives on? What is the foundation? And is it hollow and deceptive philosophy that has captured us? taken us captive, Paul says, or is it the firm foundation, the one true foundation of Jesus Christ? Could it be that we're settling, as uh, Milton Jones says, for a modern-day Tower of Babel, Tower of Babel? I like to do the Elton John pronunciation, Tower of Babel. Not sure which one's correct, but that's the one I like. Um, so how do you, uh, how, what do you mean by that, Bill? Well, that story, as you know, is in Genesis chapter 11. And without any real pointing towards God or considering what their creator wanted, uh, very early in human history, humanity got together and said, hey, let's build a tower. Let's build it all the way up to heaven. And then basically what they were saying is then we'll be God. Then we'll be God. And the Lord, of course, looked down from heaven, and as he does, and saw the futility that was going on, and the sinfulness, the selfishness, the arrogance of it all. He said, nope, nope, 
and he challenged them with different languages and he confused them and caused them to uh, destroy their product, their project and not finish it. And everybody headed to different corners of the world, as you might say. Uh, but they were building this tower brick by brick, block by block. And what is it that um, that, that might tell us about today? Well, what kind of tower are we building in our lives? And the first question is, what kind of foundation are we building our lives on? Uh, at one time, our ancient ancestors decided that they would do something very unusual without any foundation, without any spiritual connection or concern for what God thinks and for what God wants. And we know that James says in that great passage in James 4, at the end of the chapter, hey, look, you, you need to consult God in your plans. Uh, think about what is God's will as you build your towers, as you build your life. Think about what foundation you're building it on and make sure that you're building it on God, that you're building it on solid foundation. Uh, in a similar way, our world today uh, has tried to build a tower and Milton Jones brings that out in his great book, uh, Christ No More, No Less, on this book, the book of Colossians. And he builds a tower, and he builds it on the foundation of science, going back to uh, the 16th, 17th centuries, 1500s, 1600s, uh, something like that, up through really the uh, late 20th, uh, the uh, uh, mid to late 20th century. Um, and that was the modern world, and it began with science. And what science brought us was insight. Um, with Gutenberg's press uh, and the advancements of science and knowledge, everyone thought that science had all the answers. And granted, it was a, a much wiser, much smarter, uh, more knowledgeable society, than what it had been up until then, but maybe wise is not the right word. Uh, maybe they weren't as wise as they thought they were. Um, the first floor of modern society then was science, starting with the scientific revolution in the 1500s, 1600s, even 1700s, uh, and continuing through modern day times in this world, around the, in this country and around the world, Science lay at the heart of, project, of progress. We believe, we came to believe, he writes, that science would always bring one more breakthrough that would give us just the knowledge we needed to solve our problems. That was the foundation that the many in our world were looking to, many in our world look to still. That science will give us the answers that if we just know more, uh, it will be wise unto salvation when scripture says that's not how that works. The foundation of science and scientific advancement gave modern man insight, but wisdom not so much. And so on building on that tower, the foundation of science and the insight that it brought, the knowledge that it brought, then came technology and with technology came power. Uh, and we see that in our life today. Uh, if you're able to do the technology, if you're up on the latest technology, 
uh, then you can do that. I'm still of that generation <laughs> that uh, I'm getting to the point where I need to call my grandkids to try to ask them a question of how to work my phone. Uh, that's that's kind of where I am and where I'm heading. Um, but that's that's not what we see in our world. In our world, science builds on uh, and continues on and develops technology and technology. In technology, there is power, the one who understands and knows how to do things technologically, scientifically, well, they're the ones that have uh, the power. Uh, the first floor gave man uh, insight. The second floor gives him power through technology. And with that came the currency that really our world is based on, isn't it? And that currency, of course, is cash. That currency is money. A modern market economy began to replace the traditional systems. By the start of the 19th century, the 1800s, everyone in the West wanted to make a profit. And as a result, economic growth became the third floor of the modern tower. And so you have science and the insight that it brings in the modern age. You have technology, and with that technology comes power. Uh, and then you have the economic growth and wealth, also known as cold cash and money. Uh, not only did they want to make a profit, many did. And we have seen even greater advancements in the latter half of the 20th century, and now even today, in the first 20 years of the 2000s. It's just like every week it seems like what you thought you knew is now obsolete. Uh, the Industrial Revolution has given way to the computer generation. Technological advancements and improvements continue at a rapid pace. Don't you just love to watch the old movies uh, when there's a, 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 it's the beginning of the computer age and you see a room full of computers and you realize that the cell phone that you hold in your hand can do more than what that room full of computers could do. It's just amazing and incredible and wonderful. As a tool, it's neither good nor bad. It can be either. It is not inherently good or evil, but it depends on how people use it. And one thing that we know it's not good for, and that is the foundation on which you build your life. Um, what drives many in our society is based on all of that, starting with science and the insight it brings, the technology that's built on the scientific uh, revolution and the power that having the technology and knowing the technology and being able to work the technology can bring. And then the money, uh, the economic growth and economic wealth that all of that brings. Ultimately, when you get to the top and you realize what all of this has been built on and built for is self. Everything about it is selfish. It's not a bad thing, but it's not the thing that you can live by. In fact, there are things in our world that are are um, wonderful uh, discoveries and inventions, and we're so grateful for them. I, I wouldn't want to live at any other time uh, than in 2021. I think it's just an amazing, incredible time. Of course, we have our challenges, and you're thinking, Bill, you're nutso. You're a crazy man. No, no, and you think about, you get nostalgic about, all oh, those glorious days in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s, and the 80s, and I'm thinking, I, I, I remember a lot about those days, and we didn't have near the opportunity 
uh, near the things that can help us in our society uh, as we do today. Um, I think of Joyce and being uh, type 1 insulin-dependent diabetic uh, from the time she was 22 years old. <laughs> Little side note, after we had been married for two years, got married at age 20, uh, she became diabetic, and, um, and we found out about that, had no clue beforehand, of course. Didn't even really know what diabetes was, other than, uh, I think it means that you're, you eat too much sweets or something. That's about all we knew, and that wasn't even right. But we, uh, I went to Joyce's dad, I remember this, <laughs> in 1979, and he's a, he was a machine man. He's, he's been gone several years now, and wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, had his own machine shop and built up his own business. The boys still run it in San Antonio. Shout out to Long's Machine. And, um, uh, and I remember going to his dad when she was better, of course, and completely in jest. But I asked him, I said, so any warranty on this girl? Can I get any kind of warranty? It's only been two years. And he says, nope, as is, no warranty. <laughs> pretty funny, pretty funny. Well, as we think about the incredible technology in the medical field as well as other fields today, Joyce and I both realized that if we had lived in most any other time, uh, she would not have survived. Uh, it's just amazing the blessing that we have uh, because of uh, technological advancements. So those are, those are not bad things necessarily. They can be used for good, but they can also be used for bad. And when they're used for bad, typically, that means someone is acting selfishly. They've got the self on the top of the tower. Uh, we remember that in Scripture that didn't work out so well for them. And they didn't feel happy, and they went ahead and left. And as we know, self is not God's primary concern. It's never been his primary concern for me to be happy at this moment. It is a concern, but it's not the primary concern, and it's not worth building our lives on because we realize that that can't bring true lasting joy and it certainly can't bring true eternal life uh, god allowed individuals to have very difficult times at times because he wanted them to realize as the old song says i believe this world is not my home i'm only passing through and so while i'm passing through I need to live and act unselfishly. David learned this after his horrible sin with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. And Nathan the prophet came to him and said, You messed up, man. Uh, you have sinned. Uh, we've seen it so many times in Abraham's life, being called away from home and to go to a place. I'll tell you where it is later. <laughs> and there was no Siri to ask directions for. Uh, no maps.com, none of that. Uh, and it certainly wasn't his um, concern for even his own son. Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, it, I'd like to not have to go through with this, but if this is your will, then I will. Not my will, but yours be done. That's what God wants for us. And he realizes that if we build our lives around a makeshift tower, like they did in Genesis with the Tower of Babel, um, it's going to crumble. Theirs did. Ours will as well. The truth is, scientific research and insight, technology, all the advancements and power that it brings, the economic wealth that it brings, none of those things can be the foundation for our lives. None of those things are towers that will stand 
forever. I believe that none of those things are even towers that will stand for long. Um, well, what is? What is? That's where we go to Colossians chapter 2. And I want us to read that great passage. And then on Thursday, we're going to come back to that, summarize all of this story about the last several hundred years, probably without the cat, uh, because Thursday I'll be in the office. Uh, but I will, I will say that we'll take a closer look, a more in-depth look at Colossians 2, verses 1 through 10. We've already looked at the first few verses, but I want us to read them again in the context of all 10 of these verses. And remember to listen, to listen for what Paul says about the best way to live your life, the best kinds of towers that we should build. Colossians 2, verses 1 through 10. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and mind and united in love so that they may have the full riches of, under, of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, verse 4, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, verse 6, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it, verse 8, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, verse 9, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and every authority. I'm looking forward to talking to you next uh, uh, on this coming Thursday about those fine-sounding arguments, about that philosophy that sounds good on the surface, but ultimately is just hollow and even deceptive. You can't say that about Christ. You can't say that about the gospel. And it is that gospel, it is that Savior that we'll be talking about on Thursday. May God bless you as you build a tower on the firm foundation, the only foundation that can a tower can be built on, a tower that will last, Jesus Christ our Lord. God bless.